It's Amy's Table, a girl's guide to living with Amy Tobin on Q102. Pull up a chair and join us. So if you're ever thinking, hey, maybe I should get a bike or spend more time with the family on the bike, why don't you listen to my guest today? He is author Grant Peterson. He has written the book, A Radically Practical Guide to Riding Your Bike, and he has been commuting exclusively by bike for a couple of years now, and he's joining me on Amy's Table. Hi, Grant. How are you? Good. How are you, Amy? Good. So you are riding to work on your bike. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, Me and... Several others in the country. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's trending, isn't it? I'm loving seeing in cities across the country where you can rent a bike like a community bike. I think that's such a cool trend. Clearly, people are, are getting bike fever all over again, aren't they? I think so. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, your business depends on it, right? You also sell bikes? Yeah, it's Rivendell Bicycle Works. And uh, yeah, we sell bicycles and stuff like that, too. Yep. Well, very cool. Well, I love your rules, your radical rules for biking. And one of the ones that caught me first was you have way too many gears. So we don't need all of those speeds, those gears on our bike? No, no. You know, I think in the book I say something like you only need eight. But, you know, modern bikes come with, I don't know, 27 to 33 gears, something like that. But it doesn't mean that all the extra gears are evil or that it's a bad, you know, lot to make you, I don't know, buy more than you need. It's right. Just, you know, I guess the point I wanted to make in the book is that a 24-speed isn't necessarily any worse than a 27-speed or a 30-speed, but most people use maybe eight gears, you know, at most, really. At most, I would say. That's right. I remember my first bike with gears, I had a three-speed. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, I was a little kid, but yeah, it certainly worked. Well, you you were one of the rich kids then if you had a (laughs) three-speed. I don't know. I just loved my bike. It was a red bike. That's all I remember with three speeds. And I felt, but my brothers had 10 speeds. That was the big deal. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But so, you know, families going out, it's funny. We we have a um, statue in my town that I live in here in Ohio that has a family biking. And there was some complaints because the statue was not wearing helmets. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm not kidding you, actually, for that. And it's oh, a, I believe you. <laughs> so you're saying helmets aren't all they're cracked up to be. Well, yeah, you know, it's, you know, I'm not anti-helmet, but a bicycle helmet weighs, I don't know, six to eight ounces, typically six to nine ounces, and it's made of styrofoam and some kind of hard plastic, and it doesn't, you know, it it is not as protective as people think it is. And the argument that I tried to make in the book, and one that is easily misunderstood and twisted, but the argument I make in the book is that any time you wear protective gear, you put it on your head, in the case of bike helmet, you tend to do things a little bit differently than you would do without it. And that whole phenomenon is called risk compensation. And risk compensation makes sense when the protection is complete. But in the case of a bike helmet, it's not complete. So if you wear a bike helmet thinking, oh, I'm all protected, I cannot get hurt, and you ride stupidly or dangerously because you've got the bike helmet on, then you're more at risk than you would be if you rode without the helmet, but more carefully. Right. Actually, that is so well put. And, you know, when you think about bikes, I'm thinking of motorcycles as well. When I see cyclists out with a helmet on and like a sleeveless shirt and shorts. 
Yeah. I think to myself, okay, <laughs> only one little part of you is protected should you take a fall. And that's right. uh, so it's very true. Well, you know, riding responsibly is super, super important. And I'm wondering, you know, do you have any tips from your, from your rules or not for families that want to bike together? How can you make a, a multi-generational biking experience be rewarding? You know, little ones might not be able to go for as long or what, what suggestions do you have there? Yeah, well, I think I have a little entry on that in, in the book, but um, I think let the kids set the pace and ride to a destination. Don't expect your child to want to ride for the, uh, you know, for the exercise or because it's a nice day outside and, you know, the, I don't know, just for the joy of moving. You know, ride them down to an ice cream parlor, to a mall, to something. There, there's got to be a destination, I think, for children. Uh, don't expect them to want to ride a bike for the same reason that you as an adult want to ride a bike. Right. You, want, you know, Adults want to ride bikes to get a little bit of exercise. Kids do not think about exercise. It's not, not the right time in their life to be right. thinking about that. Right. I would agree with you there so much. Well, you know, here's, a, here's one of your rules that I know that kids and adults would both love. You say, ride like a fairy, not like an ox. Yeah. <laughs> what do well, you mean? You know, I, I was wondering if that word fairy was going to be allowed in the book, but they allowed it. <laughs> and all I mean by fairy is ride like a lightweight person. Even if you weigh, say, 250 pounds, you can, uh, you can ride light. And that's just, when you know, avoiding bumps rather than hitting every bump. Or if you go over a bump that you can't avoid, lift the bike up over it. Just, you can unweight the front wheel and unweight the rear wheel and just... Use your body as a shock absorber to reduce the stress on yourself and on the bike. So that's just all what, that is what riding like a fairy. I think that makes perfect sense. Well, obviously you're commuting every day on your bike, so you're using your bike for, you know, uh, transportation. But when you're not using it to commute, what are some of your favorite ways to spend time on a bike? Well, I think I live in uh, a part of the country that has... The riding around here within two miles of me, I, I, I don't think can be bettered by any part in the whole country. So I've got open spaces and tra- wonderful trails all around me. I can be on dirt trails in uh, less than 10 minutes from me, and I can just go on for hours and miles, you know, whatever I like. I can do short little loops. So I'm really lucky, you know. Yep. I don't know what it's like in Cincinnati, but uh, around here... It's, We've got some pretty good opportunities good. for cyclists here. We've got a lot of nice trails and things, but California sounds pretty good, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, that's great. Well, you know what? You can get inspired. You can find all kinds of fun reading in the book, Just Ride, a radically practical guide to riding your bike. You can also see some of Grant's work in bicycling outside and men's journal and grant thank you so much for joining us today i'm going to go out without a helmet and ride like a fairy in not an ox all right thank, thank you, you. Bye-bye. bye-bye thanks for listening to amy's table a girl's guide to living with amy tobin on q102 for more visit amy's blog with q102 online at wkrq.com